0: You've found the podcast where driving matters.
1: Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul.
0: I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hi, everybody. This is podcast 700 I cannot believe we've done 700 podcasts.
1: Yeah, it's, I can't believe it either. Guys, brain. thank you for joining us. I am still on a huge high. I know you are too. From the week we just had yeah, yeah, in yeah. Washington with our friends at Grio's Garage, if you haven't heard that podcast with Richard and Nick Grio, we were in Richard's office and... We came away driving an actual F1 car. Mm -hmm. So we started with Formula Ford. Then we went to an F2 car, which is a Formula Atlantic car in the States. The difference is in Europe, those F2 cars are fuel injected in uh, the States. They are uh, carbureted. So then we moved to an actual Formula One car. And we're still talking about this experience (laughs) and about the era because I started, of course, looking up the drivers. That particular car has its own Wikipedia page. Started looking up drivers and, you know, that was the era of gnarly crashes and bad things happened. Yeah. But I can't believe we drove these cars. So that will be a TV episode called The Road to F1 for season 11. And we've got all the footage and we're still reeling from this event. So. Well, you
0: and I were talking about it earlier. The big problem is the fact that this was the really, really dangerous era of, of F1. The really dangerous. You know, where your feet yeah. are up at the front wing and the, the cars feel like they're made of paper. And it was one of those things where when I was out of the car, all of that dawned. <laughs> when i was in the car thankfully i forgot because there was so much going on i was like i really gotta drive now so uh yeah anyway uh ryan stamp was asking are the cars ready for their long trips to the east coast you notice we are both wearing our radwood shirts oh yeah, which yeah, are yeah. the shirts that are celebrating the fact we're about to go way way east all the way from here to the atlantic because that seems like fun we're going to go to the subaru park event for radwood philly we are leaving soon we are taking a massive road trip. We have Amazing. funny things planned along the way. We're very, very excited. We are we are headed out there. Many of you are going to meet us for the meetup uh, Friday night prior. We're very excited about that as well because there's a ton of you coming. Which thank you for that. The cars are as ready as they're going to be. That's all I know to say.
1: <laughs> Sitting on battery tender. Mm-hmm. Yep. Waiting ready to go. Be. Yep. Well, Chris W. Chris Wesson. The format for questions is all car questions. As a matter of fact, the every twenty five. Is when we, 25 and 75. 25 yeah. and 75 is when mm-hmm. we get into the non-car questions, the, the dig deep kinds of questions. But yeah, these are all car questions starting off on the prior list from Steve Martigani has a tough question because of how difficult it is to find new enthusiast cars and buy them at a reasonable, reasonable price. What sub $5,000 used car Whoa. would you buy and spend $10,000 or more fixing up? I would buy a $15,000 car. That's what I would do.
0: <laughs> That's sorry. actually a great point. Uh, sorry, I was cheating.
1: Yeah. Well, here's my other cheat, and that is go older to buy an enthusiast car that is rough because if you're going to put that kind of money into a car, it better not just be on brakes and suspension and dumb stuff. Okay. It needs to be on restoring the car, mm-hmm. making it run, bringing things back to life in an original way. I mean, if you're saying $10,000 now I know there are very few vintage cars for five thousand dollars but my thinking is if you're going to pour a bunch of money into a car let's get it an older one that is Mm -hmm. in rough shape and get it back to its glory days and Mm -hmm. back to Mm -hmm. where it was to preserve cars rather than buying some kind of middle of the road i mean you could do a mini cooper pop to mind but a middle of the road mini cooper and then spending 10 grand to make it amazing why don't just buy a better mini cooper yeah i mean you like could that.
0: get uh, i know the always the answer is always you could get an old used miata you could get an old bmw z3 or z4 we've proven that uh and they and they still you recently had a, had a buddy you knew that bought what did he buy that z3 for it was less than five grand
1: oh yeah that, that was a uh, friend of the show dane yeah. yeah yeah whose friend just picked up a hundred and fifty thousand mile z3 mm-hmm. in kansas yeah and they found it from the original owner i believe so a lot of miles but the car was top shape 7 grand 7500 yeah. bucks yeah, yeah. so i think yes. those
0: those old convertibles are worthwhile i mean you could be really scary and find yourself an old alfa romeo spider <clears throat> from the
1: 80s then you're a two car enthusiast. To do it at really actual cheap, alpha, And then yes. spend at least
0: ten grand. But I think the better the better call is to just to spend a little more money. Plus, in this market right now, you're going to need ten grand to get something that feels like our eight thousand dollar challenge, which is crazy to say, but that's still going on. I have a question here that came in from Twitter. Uh, Mr. McGillicuddy asked this question ahead of time, and I am still pondering it, so I have to bring it up. The manual Supra. His question is, what is our speculation on why Toyota is retrofitting an in-house six-speed and not using the BMW unit? And I'll tell you why I think it is. Okay. is. First off, we're thrilled they're doing a manual. So thank you, Toyota, yeah, for doing a yeah. manual. We cannot wait to get into it. We're, we're uh, Toyota's sick of hearing from us. We've told them how much we want to be in that car. <laughs> uh, there are a couple of things going on. First off, remember that Toyota has got nothing but grief about the fact that there's a BMW underneath. So anything they can do to separate the two, I think, is to their benefit. Also, if you've ever driven a BMW... And you've driven lots of other cars. All BMW shifters feel the same, but I don't think okay. they feel very good. They are more rubbery in feel. They're the cable than, feel than other yeah. cars that make manual transmissions. There are other transmission feels that are better. Now, people that are BMW enthusiasts will tell you that's how manual transmission is supposed to feel because they all feel that way. But Porsche does better. Mazda does better. Toyota has done better. Honda does way better. So I think Toyota putting one of their transmissions and their transmission feel into that car. I'll give you another example. The six-speed in the 86 chassis is different than the one in the Subaru WRX.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Because that's
0: a Subaru transmission, and Toyota made sure their six-speed felt better. So I think it's the same thing going on. They want to differentiate that car from the BMW, and they want to make the shifter feel like a Toyota
1: shifter and not a BMW shifter, and we're very excited. Yeah. Well, just to add a little bit to that is Toyota has indicated that they have put research Every car enthusiast, the way the super manual is presented, we're under the impression that it's just bolt right up and kick it out there and get it out there. And they are enthusiasts too. They want it to be right before mm-hmm. they actually re- reveal it and put it out there for consumer consumption. We we want that to be right. I mm-hmm. mean, weighted mm-hmm. shift knob, there's a lot of thinking behind it. So if they're going to compete and they're going to bring the big dog they knew it had to feel right, so that just bodes well. In I my agree. opinion,
0: I agree. I think it's going to be great.
1: All right, uh, I'm looking at both lists of questions. I'm yeah, trying to harvest got three lists going here. at once. It's great. <laughs> All right, go if you've got something.
0: Uh, man, there's so many. Um, All
1: favorite, right,
0: favorite thing about the Kuntosh, James is asking. <clears throat> Hi, James. You know who that is? If I'm right, that's James from Throttle House. Oh, it is James. If That picture's correct. Hi, yes. James. Hi, James. Welcome. Good to see you. Um, Thanks for let's jumping on. See. Everything about the Countach, have you guys driven it yet? I don't remember. I honestly don't remember if you've driven or not, so so jump in and say that. I actually think the best thing about it is being seen in it.
1: We were told that by the owner of the the car that we drove, and it stuck out in our minds that when he told us he would rather be looking at it instead of in the car, that's true. That actually was right in line with what Mm -hmm. Everybody who saw that car, you know, it was parked while we were shooting and people would drive by and ask if that's the latest Ferrari. And we're thinking, no, it's a 30 year old Lamborghini. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's nothing to do he with it
0: He says they're driving it tomorrow. I, uh, I, nice. The, the thing is, it's one nice. of those cars that I think a lot of the exotics of that era, we're driving more and more of them for our cars of the past series is one of those cars that uh, the driving dynamics on a lot of those exotics of that era have not aged well. Because it was that era when exotics, it was okay for them to drive badly because they were so crazy. Mm -hmm. And now nobody accepts that. You can't a McLaren, a Porsche, a Lamborghini. They're expected to drive really well and be usable plus be weird. Mm, That was allowed to just be weird. It was that era. So the pedals are in a weird spot and the seating position, but it's got those weird arc seats that are surprisingly comfortable. But you look at them and go, what is going
1: on That's there? Because your back is contorted into a position. It's never been You're back before. to like a weird fetal position.
0: So, yeah. so the thing is driving it. I, I always felt like I didn't want to push it really hard. Now we also had a very nervous owner on our hands.
1: We did. And that owner was with us in the passenger seat. So yes. we said, yes, of course. But it was one He's of those the things
0: where I think yeah. being seen in it is the magic Being seen with it is the magic because it 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 creates such an impression on everybody that sees it that you kind of enjoy that versus something like uh, I'll go with a Miata something like a Miata is not something that
1: anybody's oh my gosh there's a guy in a Miata nobody cares yeah but you as the driver are getting all the enjoyment it's the exact reverse James I will also say the doors I'm curious about the build quality from that era of cars because they were (laughs) so bespoke almost they They were were almost built and when I had the uh, the door open like Todd's doing, I would wiggle the door just to see our car felt really solid. I was really impressed mm, mm. with the build quality, even though it's, you know, tube frames in some places and hand built in other places and symmetry is overrated. <laughs> I, I was so impressed. So I, I look at things like build quality and how panel gap fitments are and you know, I suppose you have to give it a pass. But uh hope you guys enjoy and so thrilled you guys are uh jumping on here. Appreciate you joining. What else do you have? I've got some design questions do on the take, 2 Series. I've seen a couple of them. Please jump yeah. in. On yeah. Akash says, our thoughts on the new 2 Series and the look particularly. As a matter of fact, we've got one right now, and mm-hmm. we're shooting an episode. It will be primarily for YouTube. But I'm intrigued with this car. And I will say that Todd and I racked our brains as far as what car this competes against in the marketplace. Because it has grown it's heavier. It's got more power than the first M2. When the M2 came out, this car has 20 or 25 more horsepower than that M2, and it's over 3,800 pounds, all-wheel drive, only automatic transmission. So the proportions have changed, and to me, it's gone more grand touring instead of the real compact, lightweight sports car kind of thinking. It's it's grown almost as if BMW has done that deliberately to introduce something just underneath it that is a true small driver's car, not the two series Grand Coupe hatch, nothing like that, but it's, it's slightly bigger now and therefore leaving room. And you know that BMW is the king of the niche models, and it's almost like the 1.5 series or somewhere wow. in there where they could do some sort of lighter weight. This is the true, you know, welcome to BMW kind of car. I'm intrigued by that. I hate that. Maybe the, the, they don't, but the car's mm. bigger, heavier than ever before. It's significantly bigger. So on to yeah. the styling, what do you do to a classic coupe shape to give it distinctive BMW lines? BMW has the surfaces nailed. I think they're doing excellent. And what we're seeing is like the Toyota, like the FRS issue, the first gen had very distinctive headlights and taillights and people love that the most. That's what this new generation of BMW 2 Series has. Mm. The headlights and taillights are very distinctive. Whether you like them or not, you're looking at those. You're not looking at the body sides. The body sides are very clean and simple. You're looking, of course, at the grille, the headlight, the eyes of the car, and, of course, the taillights. And that's defining the car along with those longer proportions. More to come as far as the, the detailed design review. But as far as surfaces... Very simple. It's a classic GT car shape. It's a, it's a saloon. It's I just... can't believe how
0: simple the side is and how yeah. busy the ends are. I have much to say, and I'm not even the design guy, but
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in
0: every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on, direct-fit
1: parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or
0: you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use Car Finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Chris has a 2007 997.14S with 100,000-plus miles on it, $40,000 on the motor replaced by the prior owner. He's still taking it to the track and ripping it up. Is he an idiot? It's going to cost money, but he but he cannot use it as intended. Um, hmm. I mean, why not use it? It, it? Look, if you're not precious, Chris, then I think the fact that you're tracking it is wonderful. The concern that I have with that 103,000-mile car is you're getting to the place where, okay, 40,000 on the motor is great and crazy that the last owner replaced it. But you're getting to that place where other stuff is going to wear out and break. It's not going to be the motor that's going to go first. It's going to be something else. So where is the place at which you can't tolerate that? I love that you're driving it. I love that you're driving it hard. Is there a monetary amount or is there a number of times it asks you for something? How needy is it? That was the thing with my Phaeton. It's every single month it was like, excuse me, I need stuff. you know? And so that's what, I mean, we had it for a year either way, but it got annoying if I had kept it. So what is your tolerance level? Because I think what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing other things around that engine break. Because of high mileage and your steady track usage. I, I love that you're using it. Uh, the other question I would have, Chris, is send us, a, send us an email, send us a car debate. What are you pondering next? If you have no idea what to do next, keep eating on the 9-11. But if you have a, I'd like to go here. Then why not get out of the nine eleven before it <clears throat> does something catastrophically?
1: Expensive? <laughs> like what? Like what? I don't know. Like, Nothing's going like You
0: with the <clears throat> Porsches that
1: cost some money with the <laughs> a stuff lot. The things. Yeah. Paul Williamson, thank you for jumping on. Thank you, we really appreciate it. We're still amazed that seven hundred episodes of us doing this, uh-huh. and to us, there's no end in sight. We we're just amazed that we can and get to do this mm-hmm. and get to do this with you guys. So thanks for all your questions. I've got one up here from Bruce boom, uh boom uh, with who says with 15 years of content, do we have an index? All of the vehicles, do we have oh, an index man. of the vehicles that we've discussed? If someone wants to hear our thoughts on the Porsche Cayenne, can they immediately go to those episodes? We have talked about a variety of ways to do this and what it would look like, but the answer is no. We don't have a single source of the truth, you know, like flip to well, Cayenne. <laughs> but, of course, cayenne on YouTube. verse one, chapter one. <laughs> exactly. Of Sayeth course. thee about the Cayenne, lo, it is better than you expect. <laughs> Scroll. Anyway, yes. <laughs> you can, of course, on YouTube, find the families from the manufacturers. So we group all the types of videos into the various family categories from each manufacturer. That is a good way to to see things very quickly. But not all, well, at this point, not all of the TV episodes are up there. Some was pulled from the initial TV episodes were pulled from uh, first-generation YouTube content. And yeah, those yeah. videos still exist. But, I mean, it's really the, the only searchable way, not necessarily... The Cayenne. The the
0: simplest search is actually the main YouTube channel.
1: Go to the I would channel, say so. not
0: anywhere yeah. else. Just go to the channel and use the search bar on the channel, and you can act like all oh, my Cayenne videos. You can find them there, even though that does have playlists, and many of them have playlists. The difficulty with our content is the fact that it's spread elsewhere, because for example, our Icon film, that one BMWs, right? The Corvette film, the 911 film major discussion about all those generations that isn't actually anywhere on youtube so that makes it a little bit harder of course the podcast is not searchable in this way this gets hard but thank you for wanting that i honestly think the simplest answer is to search the youtube uh jordan's question
1: yeah ghosting me out hey
0: man how are you We've, we've come through park city before it's good to see you oh by the way jordan i'm calling you out I'm pretty sure you know Brian's questionable decisions. And the next time he's in Park City, we want him on this podcast. Yes, definitely. Please connect the dots for us. Definitely.
1: We saw the photos on his IG. Uh, Yes, for sure. He was here. You spotted him.
0: Yes, but Jordan just took some pictures with him. So I'm I'm connecting the world. I'm trying. I'm trying for that. it would be a cool guest. Favorite road trip you've ever done? I think, and we've done some cool ones, and we're about to do, and this may be topped, because the West Coast one was awesome. I loved it. We have some ahead of us. that We don't know if they're we're gonna going be east. Really it's going to be crazy. We're going yeah. north to Montana and Wyoming. Greatest hits there. It's going to be great. Even our Texas trip, I'm excited about we got a lot of stuff with cars of the past. I'm going to say to this point, I actually think it's the one I did last summer in the Lotus with my son.
1: I was wondering if it was. 1,400 miles yeah, in Lotus cool. Elise,
0: which on headline is not something you should do. That sounds terrible. 1400 miles in a Lotus Elise, please don't do that, okay? But we hit greatest hits roads. It was supposed to be a family vacation and for other reasons it became a just father and son vacation. It's cool. We did the best of Utah in that in that car and I will say to this to this moment my son taught me something on that trip I think I've mentioned before. Okay. We went through one of the best parts of Highway 12. If you come on Utah Meetup you can do it with us. One of the best parts of Highway 12 we got done. Yeah. And he said something I've never thought of before, okay. which was so stupid because you and I will we'll paint roll our way down a road shooting it. Right. Okay, And I've driven plenty of roads, and they're great. We got through the best part, and he looked at me, and he goes, can we go back and do it again?
1: That's great. Boom.
0: I was like, <laughs> that's you, great, you, man. We can. That was what was so crazy about that. moment. I was like, <laughs> yes, we can, son. And so we did
1: certain sections of it over and over, and it was wonderful. Because Garage who uh, saw a Gallardo at Walmart this morning What's the most unexpected place you've seen an exotic or supercar? I, I want to say Monterey, and it, it's not Monterey. It's Salinas. When you're at the Motel 6 and a Pantera rolls in, you're like, a pet- of course, Monterey. But the, the crazy
0: thing about Monterey, which is a moment in time thing. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You will never sit in, in traffic with so many amazing cars. Stop and go with something in front of you that's overheating and something behind is overheating and everything around you is worth millions and everybody's sitting there stopped trying desperately to keep their cars moving and they aren't moving. That's the most exotic traffic jam on the planet for sure.
1: I can't remember a specific time necessarily, but it's because you think all the supercars are clustered in one place. And then when one leaves the herd, you think, "Ah, why are you out here? What are you doing? Anyway,
0: Derek is asking if the police will come back to the podcast. Do you want to tell the Chad story? Latest one. We had our friend, the sheriff, just to set this up, we had our friend Chad, who is a local sheriff, was on here before, said the police are here is the name of the podcast. And he has answered some amazing questions (laughs) from a perspective of an officer. But as you know, and he may be listening now, he's a big fan of the show and he's followed for a long time. He listens in his patrol car, which is now an undercover red tundra. Yeah. So Chad's fairly high up in the local sheriff's yeah, department. He, so he's now in a red tundra with the lights in the grill. So we know this about Chad, but he sent you a text
1: that started a ridiculous conversation recently. Well he sent me some photos along with the text, and Chad, I really appreciate you sending. Because he was waiting in to go into the tunnel car wash with the scratchy brushes. There was a nine nine two nine eleven ahead of him. Now, for Chad to take the company issue, the county issued truck through It's the truck. It's the police truck. Fine. But for a 992 911 to go into a tunnel wash deliberately is very strange. And Chad just happened to be right behind him. And after they both exited the tunnel wash, Chad pulled him over for not speed shining. (laughs) He sent me photos. He popped the lights and pulled this guy over. And the guy's like, what'd I do?
0: He's in the drying lot going,
1: what what did I do? How did I possibly speed or do anything? Yeah. (laughs) So, I pulled him over for not speed shining and he promptly told him about the show. And he said, This guy was very nice. I said, Well, Chad, you're huge and you're also an officer. (laughs) Everybody's nice to you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who isn't nice to you? So, apparently, he was informed. He now knows about Griot's Garage products, knows to not take his 992 through the tunnel wash. And it, it made me hurt a little bit. And, you know, everybody has their thing, and that's your car. It's not mine, but still. Chad was right to do this, and he made an example, and so hopefully he's this man of has course, discovered <laughs> Griots. There garage. was no
0: ticket given. We hope he discovered Griots. But what I want it to was know, all which jest, we'll, of course. course, which we'll never know, is what did this person tell his significant other when he got home?
1: You'll never believe this, honey. He's I, never been pulled over for not speech I, on. I, I That is By ridiculous. The way, we went to dinner with Nick uh, and Richard after our F1 experience, and I told them that story, and I showed them the photos, and they laughed. And they laughed. couldn't believe
0: it happened, yeah. They were really. They, they had fun. Michael Rood, uh, have I totally lost my mind for putting a Chevy LS engine in a 91 Miata and to daily drive it along with occasional autocross? Two thoughts here, Michael. First off, <laughs> that's borderline too much motor for that car. And I am a guy that I like things that are not overly powerful. I like things that feel like they're balanced. And that's going to be an awful lot of motor for that car. I hope you're doing other things around the motor. Not just mm. big motor and everything else is stock. Worry about brakes. Worry about suspension. Visit uh, the folks at Flying Me Auto, Make sure you get that entire car dialed around that motor so it's not just overwhelming. If you get it dialed, drive it always to the store to work yeah. in traffic, yeah. autocross, track days. If you get it set up right, it should be the daily for sure. Now would you do you fit? You, hopefully you fit. Anyway.
1: Yeah, agreed. Navi Benapal says, Todd, would, you, would he be an idiot to place his faith in a 10-year-old Chevy uh, Camaro V8 or Mustang or Challenger with a stick shift with 100,000 miles? His last stick shift was in 1996 Maruti Suzuki Zen. Something's <laughs> pending
0: on that car. Think so? 100,000 mile Chevy V8. I mean. It's 10 years old. 100,000 yeah.
1: miles shouldn't be too much of an issue unless I mean, you know what's e- been done e- to that.
0: Everything will be available and cheap. For that car. Well,
1: <laughs> but something <laughs> once it goes. But something yeah. is waiting.
0: Right. I just feel confident about that.
1: Mm. For Runner for Life ninety-eight has already scrubbed off the tires after eighty five hundred miles on his twenty twenty-two Tesla Model three. What new tires should you buy? Well, if you don't have Nokia and for winter, we recommend that. But they do have a very good all-weather tire. You should investigate what tires from every manufacturer that are specifically for electric cars. And it's been interesting because we've been having conversations about this with a lot of different manufacturers. And that is they're going after specific electric car built tires because you're a lot heavier. And you're doing the same mm-hmm. kinds of driving techniques with a car that weighs a 1,500 pounds more than a car you've been used to. So absolutely, those tires are made for the cars. Go go pursue whatever your favorite tire brand is, but we do recommend Nokians. We've had a lot of great luck with them, and they've come alongside us for this Cars of the Past series. They are on our cars, and we're going to be taking those all-weather. And we've had, you know, back up in Seattle in the winter Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, summertime driving as well. So they are a high-performance all-weather tire. We like those a lot.
0: Chris Osterman. Hey, Chris, how are you? When are you guys driving the new Z? Now, that much discussion has happened here at Everyday Driver about the new Z because we wanted to drive it. Yes. And our friends at Nissan wanted us at the launch. And yes. they told us when the launch was, <clears throat> and it was exactly when we were supposed to go to GRIOS to drive an F1 car. And we made the collective executive decision, F1 car, we may never drive again. Right. Z car, they can probably send us in Utah. So we went F1 car. Having said that, as you are does. you are about to see the internet flooded. I don't remember when the embargo is, but it's in the next four or five. Sixteenth May sixteenth is the embargo. The the yep. so that means that morning it, your entire feed will be Z car, yep. and we yep. will not be in it. And we're bummed about that. But we have one coming to Utah to do a comparison and to actually drive it the way we yep. want to drive it on our great roads. It's coming very soon, and then the video will follow. That is actually
1: the Z car will be featured at the end of season eleven which we're yeah that's right busily shooting and editing that's right well we just wanted more time with the cars and mm-hmm. that's our thing we always want as much time with them as possible soak time to drive it but then time to shoot the car and and of course come away with the footage that we want so that's always been our thing and and so launches are great we want to be a part of it but then yeah as you said when a, an opportunity to drive <laughs> jody Schechter's podium finishing 1978 formula one car that still i'm that's a bucket list item. I hope to do vintage racing in the future. I hope to do more. I want oh, to do more. Wow. I want to get used to all kinds of vintage cars. Mm-hmm. You and I have been a few uh, in a few at this point, and I've just scratched the surface. I've just started to taste what's possible, and I'm floored by what goes into the maintenance and the care and feeding of these things. The care it's and just, feeding is staggering. It's made me want to do it more. Mm. I love modern <laughs> cars, but it's made me want to go vintage even more. It's... Horrible. I'm not sure who's paying for that because it's astronomical. I don't know either. Uh,
0: Steve is asking, he says the Carmudgeon Show, which we like, that's Jason Camisa and friends. uh, They declared that the NC3, the last of the NC generation, third generation Miata, was better than the ND2. Do we agree or disagree? Now, first off, we have done a big Miata four car comparo. That was with an ND1. Mm -hmm. We both like the NC a lot because we both fit. That is the thing that makes the NC exciting to me all the time is that I just fit. It's a car for me. As much as I like the ND2 and I like it a lot, it is totally undermined for me by the fact that I just sit there like this the whole time. Mm -hmm. It hurts. So that Mm -hmm. is definitely a factor for sure. Yeah.
1: Nick, thank you. Nick Rogers jumped on. with. uh, He said, just wanted to support. He's got a down payment on a one owner, Honda S2000 AP2, to replace his totaled STI hatchback. We're very sorry that got totaled. Mm. I hope. There was nobody in it, and if there was, I hope everybody's okay. This will be his first rear-wheel drive car. He Ooh. appreciates the content. Nick, thank you for the support. We, That's huge. We just feel like when we meet fans of the show, it's just the instant thing we do is just start talking cars. Of course. It's not like, hey, great to meet you. We're just yes. like instant, like, hey, that thing I talked to you about on the questions with the mm-hmm. – we just, just oh, pick up right I, where we left I off. I will
0: say that. I will say that. If we meet you, <laughs> when we meet you, Absolutely. please connect the dots for us because uh, – You'll talk to us and you'll know what we said to you about whatever question. And honestly, so many questions have gone by. Yeah, right. We don't remember, but if you'll connect the dots, that's always really cool. I do want to say if it's your first rear wheel drive car, Nick, you need to do some autocross. And, or just some parking lot fun on your own. Find the dynamics of that car at the edges so you know the understandings of it. The AP2 was a little less oversteer heavy, uh, tent prone than the AP1, but those are fantastic cars. Yeah. Also, yeah. you're coming out of an STI hatchback, which is turbo. That is non-turbo. You're going to have a totally different power band that you're probably going to struggle with initially. So just give that car a chance to play to its strengths and also go somewhere where you can really ring it out so you understand it.
1: Let's see, Borzika has a, what would be the next logical car? He had a 1991 Mazda Miata, now he's got a 96 BMW Z3. What should he get next when he sells a Z3? Why sell the Z3? Those are awesome. <laughs> they are good, yeah. But here's your track record. You're staying small and lightweight, and GR86 is the next for you, I think. Unless he goes convertible, version.
0: and then he needs a Boxster.
1: Certainly, Boxster, if if you want to stay convertible. But GR86, we've had questions. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Anazwar is asking about the GR86 should he test drive a car that he has no intent of owning or plan on owning in a few years intends to own a GR86 as a fun weekend car, Mm -hmm. but he's not sure if he should test drive the GR86. Now I say, do it now Mm -hmm. test drive. So you know, and come away with, you'll either confirm everything and you'll love it or you'll think, you know what? I didn't fit well, or I didn't quite Mm -hmm. like the interaction Mm -hmm. of something. And I, I thought it was going to be really good and it didn't really turn out that way. I say drive it now, and that will only help you with your decision. Don't wait to drive something. If you've got that opportunity,
0: don't wait. Chris Simmons, he's got a question here about adding a weekend car. He says sees a lot of low-mile, low-cost Pontiac Solstice. Are they worth it? The Solstice, is that the flower? Solstice. You definitely need to go drive one, but watch our cars under $8,000 because that's in there compared to all of its competitors, and you can see us talk about it. That was a fantastic first-gen. I wish GM had done a second-gen of that car because I think it would have been a serious competitor. It's like 90% a serious competitor. It is worth it. There's a question here from Skyler as well. He started watching us when he was too young to drive. It's been a while. It's It's <laughs> Don't been a while. Do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. not yeah. do there, there's Yeah. There's, uh, there's a whole thing about our 50th anniversary coming up. So uh, that's going to be crazy. Yeah.
1: Dan L jumps on. Thank you so much for the, the 700. Congratulations. He says uh, he's got the Miata recommendation a few hundred episodes ago. A few hundred episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance of a Dallas, Texas meetup soon? Also, is Griot Ceramic Spray okay as the only product when you detail every week? Yes, it is. Obviously, you know, make sure your surface prep is good to start with. But then the ceramic spray, it already has waxes in it, and it's designed for that consistent detail every week. So I definitely highly recommend that. But chance of a Dallas-Texas meetup soon. Our Austin-Radwood trip was thwarted Mm -hmm. due to weather in Austin. We were happily trucking there. We were on our way. We were going to make it, Mm -hmm. and we had to turn around. So obviously, Radwood in Austin was rescheduled for late April, and then I think there's another one in October that we're shooting for, but that's also back in Austin. That's right now the closest uh, Texas location that we've got planned. We, we are going to do Austin,
0: and we will probably do a meetup. Many of you, the last time we were in Austin, came down from Dallas. We hope you will come down for that because we will definitely do a meetup when we come to Austin in the fall. Right now, we have to do East Coast and then North. Because the great thing about going south is we can go south when it starts <laughs> snowing here. Yeah, it's true. But uh, We did it already. But, but it started snowing in Austin, and so they canceled Redwood. But
1: anyway. Rich Cracknell says Honda and Todd Hoyer combined for the legendary McLaren engine. Yes, they did. Which watch manufacturer would tie in with the Porsche engine for Paul's ultimate F1 watch Porsche nerdgasm? Wake up, Todd, when I'm done. Yes, please. I am currently falling asleep. Yes, wake me. By the way, on our recent Patreon call with our board member patrons, Rich corrected me. I was pronouncing the John Tyrrell's name, the... Famous Tyrrell Formula One team, mm. and by the way, it was Jody Schechter who drove that six-wheeled Tyrrell car, and that was astounding. Anyway, so the perfect watch. I admit I'm definitely a Tudor fan, but I'm also uh, an IWC fan as well, and certainly Bell and Ross. But I, yeah, maybe not. Maybe it's not Todd Hoyer anymore. The problem is Porsche Design is doing their own movements now, so it, it would be <laughs> weird. <laughs> <laughs> it would be weird if Porsche Design didn't provide their own movements for the special design watch because they have gotten away from sourcing ETA movements and Valzhu movements they are just doing their own movement now and that makes sense it goes into all their products now especially the watch designed for the GT3 and the GT3 RS special editions they have their own movement I look at I my watch but I'm that. not wearing one yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just say yeah just just use that one <laughs> <laughs> any
0: chance of a NorCal meetup I've seen that question come by a couple times uh, nothing on the calendar yet but we know we have to get back out there we've done some stuff in that area without doing meetups so we're aware of that reality uh, I've got a question from earlier today with all the press this is Figgy Mark I think it was Instagram with all the press cars we drive and the trips we're doing in the cars of the past how many miles per year do we actually put on the Lotus and the Cayman this was the reason I took oh, my big yeah. road trip last
1: year we were just talking about this because actually. I
0: realized last year when we had the the I had my Z4 and we had everything else going on and also last summers when I bought the 300ZX I realized if I wasn't careful I would put like 2,000 miles on that car which is better than zero but not nearly enough so that's why I plan that yeah, road trip. And the yeah. average right now is about four to 5,000 miles a year. And when you consider everything else, I'm kind of glad we put that many on. But it, it this sounds crazy to enjoy that car that much and not put more miles on it. But it's just the matter. I mean, there have certainly been times when I could drive the Lotus, and I want to drive the Lotus, and I need to drive the Lotus. But I have to drive this minivan for test drive. <laughs> that's not... That, exactly. Mean, our job is awesome, but that's a moment when you just kind of go, "Dang it!" So I drive the minivan because we need to talk. But then we get to do things like the carnival, the carnival. We and always F1 surprise cars. ourselves when uh, yeah. when we end up driving a yeah. minivan and make some fun of it. So yeah.
1: Let's see. Michael Walsh asks me more watch questions. What do I think of the new Tudor Black Bay Pro? I think the size is too small. I wish they did the bronze version. Instead of 39 millimeters, I like 41. I like 42. I've had 44 millimeters and they're just a touch. They're they're up there like the Top Gun uh, IDBC. But the Pro, as good as that looks, it looks like a Rolex Explorer. Would you not agree? But I think 39 millimeters, I believe, is too small. I like 40, 41, somewhere in there. I think that's just the sweet spot. Anyway, onwards. Yeah,
0: you're doing lots of watch questions. Uh, Kelly is asking if we heard anything back from YouTube about our open letter. I Look, that was sent to YouTube directly to their recommendations before it was an open letter. Oh, yeah. You still haven't I, heard anything. Right? I don't expect they'll ever respond. Yeah. Uh, and, and the and the thing, it, it's, it's a trade-off. You know, our friend Matt Farah has been talking a lot about the fact that he's just embracing the YouTube algorithm. He's calling it YouTube face, okay? And there's certain ways to do the thumbnails and that kind of stuff. And we have we have fought against and that good to some on him degree for
1: embracing that.
0: But, and and the fact that we're on multiple program uh, platforms allows us to do kind of our own thing. But there is something to be said for caving to the algorithm because that's where the money is. But I think YouTube has the ability. Mm. to prevent us all from leading ourselves to the lowest common denominator because this is the thing that social media does. When, you, when you're engaging with social media, all the algorithm really wants is you to engage again. So it is going to to lead you down a path that it thinks you'll like, but that typically is never elevating what you're looking at. I wish YouTube would create what I kind of thought up as kind of like the YouTube Oscars. It's not a great example, but I wish they would create that so that YouTube could say this is stuff worth watching, not just what the algorithm says you should watch, but that will require people. If you want to read that open letter, it's on our website under the YouTube tab, but uh, I doubt I'll ever hear a thing.
1: Okay. So what's the next steps? what do we do you've posted it already Mm -hmm. I've gotten suggestions about reposting it on LinkedIn I'm on LinkedIn a fair amount yeah yeah should I find somebody who works for YouTube on LinkedIn I I think somebody should see it and at least acknowledge and be like great idea bye I fully expect
0: somebody at YouTube has seen it
1: but I think maybe but what's the next after that acknowledgement like good idea (laughs) bye now (laughs) yay you <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. nice
0: little pat on the head two
1: thumbs up I'm going to yeah. go have a muffin I mean I don't something. know that don't there know. is
0: a there is a way to uh, to get them to acknowledge that matters other than them doing that and I would love for them to do it but I don't think that that's very likely yeah. we're going to continue to have that um, that walk around where we just go okay what do we want to do what do we think YouTube wants to watch how can we find a blend versus just going
1: oh yay YouTube
0: I, yeah right you know, I, we'll see
1: we'll see Uh, Dennis Bardios, or Denis, asks if I have attempted paint correction before. The most I've gone, really, it's clear coat correction, but the most I've gone is the heaviest formula from Griot's for really scratch clear coat, and it's fantastic. I mean, it's brought back stuff you would think is toast, but not actual. I, I haven't gone after, if you're asking color sanding or going further than that, I certainly have not. You know, there's guys that do it daily, in and out, but telling you, Grios has the tools to make stuff you come back you would never otherwise think. I want to remind you guys of Driveshare from our friends at Haggerty.
0: Driveshare is a car-sharing community that connects renters with the owners of cool cars. We're talking vehicles that elevate any occasion like a wedding or a special celebration or even a vacation. Or you can just enjoy a dream ride, a car you've always wanted to drive. That's why I put my Lotus Elise on
1: Driveshare, and many people have loved driving it. List your car to earn some extra money knowing you're covered by exceptional insurance and roadside service. Owners and renters can both rest easy and enjoy the ride. Visit driveshare.com or download the app to rent or list a ride today. Chris is asking about would, would we be suspicious of
0: someone selling their enthusiast car after a year of owning it? Like us selling the GR86 after well, um, a year Yeah. Running? He says his reasoning for selling is because he wants to try other cars. He's trying to figure out what to say to a prospective buyer. Say that. Say oh, that. Yeah. Okay. I okay. mean, because that's going to give them confidence about the fact that you don't have anything about the car that you find fundamentally wrong or broken or hidden. You would like to move on. And I think, Chris, you're going to need to have an answer for what you're considering next. So that you can that you can be like, yeah. I, I've enjoyed this. Yeah. Here's the things I love about it. Here's the things I still love about it, but I would like to get a
1: blank. Nobody's going to have a problem with that. I think that's helpful. Let's see here. Aegis says, stylistically, how do we feel about the Supra versus the New Z compared to the matchup of old Titans of the 90s? I think what you're seeing is manufacturing processes. I think oh, you're okay. seeing a manifestation right. of trying to figure out how to make a, a car faster and cheaper rather than taking the time to make a more complex stamping. And it's either done in urethane, it's done in injection molding or some kind of composite material. But I will say the Supra has, I believe what we were told is the largest sheet metal production piece currently for the hood because yeah, of the round because it's, it, it's a it, clamshell yeah. that mm-hmm. lays over the top, almost to uh, below the belt line. It is spectacular. And when you look at that single piece, that is an investment in tooling. That's an expensive piece to get right because it's so large. It gets unwieldy. The larger the piece, the harder it is to hold tolerances and you know, Toyota, they're not going to let something leave the factory, you know, terrible. So having a piece that large is incredibly impressive. So I, I look at complexity of form, but then also how it's made and, I haven't seen the Z yet in person. We mm. still have not. We've seen plenty of photos, but it still leans more towards what your 300 Z looks like as far as simple panels. And the complexity is really in yeah, the urethane front
0: end. They had a 240 sitting in the studio and said, how much can we do that new? I mean, that's very much right. the, the new one. Right. I, but that
1: dictates manufacturing and, yeah, true. and the cost. True, true, yeah. You know, how, how many times a piece is stamped, whether it's five times to coax the shape out of it, or if it's just three. And so it's a, over over overbend and then you know flexing it back and that's it's art and science it's like making wine you know everybody starts with grape juice and thyme (laughs) why does some wine taste better than other wine the the master who's making it you all have the same ingredients you Mm -hmm. all have sheet metal and a giant tool to stamp it
0: i love that we find a way to get the watches and wine in the midst of an (laughs) all-car podcast somebody might be movie questions please save me anyway (laughs) uh, might be coming (laughs) that's unbelievable um Andrew P. says, what are our suggestions for lesser-known driving roads? If we suggest them, they're not lesser-known. I'm just saying. The key thing is Google Maps in your area and find the squiggles and drop the little guy down and see if that road is worth it. You will be amazed at some of the stuff you find. We found another road today that we're excited about. We kept driving it going, this is awesome. Uh, A couple of you are asking about a generations of the Z car piece. Uh, 86 Monty is asking for one and a couple others are asking as well. We would like to, we have it in discussion. Uh, I'm sure others are talking about it as well. We want to do it in this style, which we are known for and nobody else has really done. So we'll see what happens. Uh, It has to do with getting a lot of the cars together. Luckily I own one. We know of a 370. We We can probably get a, a, a new one, So we can get some of them, but I want to go all the way back to the Dotsons and get the whole group. We'll see if we can put it together. Going back to the And this year is so crammed.
1: I'm not sure if we can do it this year, but I want to try to do it. We'll see. We'll see. It's in discussion. Sometimes we fit things in that we never thought we could do, but agreed. Tyler Kenneth Stevens asks me about design trends. We, he remembers us commenting years ago about design trends that need to go. At the time it was about increasing amounts of fake grills and vents, what new trends do I think are interesting? Of course, it's the signature lighting on all the cars, but what I'm confused by is how the signature lighting for a car for a particular model is different than its sibling. And I mean massively different. BMW has a good consistency. Mercedes is beginning to have a good consistency, but Kia, the K five GT is completely different than almost everything else in their lineup. And it was just because the designers liked it and gave it a little bit of personality to a otherwise kind of boring sedan. So for car manufacturers that you, you could look at this two ways, they have a different signature lighting for every single car, but that doesn't say family to me. That just says okay. the designers liked it and it was cool looking. Mm -hmm. but good design can be counter to one another one piece of furniture in a collection doesn't have to look exactly like you know a larger version of that smaller one you can have some elements from it and push it further so i could go both ways but i just i keep seeing the signature lighting i'm like that is a dot nope that's a nissan Mm -hmm. that looks like the bmw over here which looks like the kia and Why is there no consistency throughout, or at least a part of that element consistent throughout? So they do the big grills. So they have room for the big grills.
0: So you know which family it's from. More big grills. No, stop with the big grills. Uh, Let's see. There was a really good question here from Mark. What's the difference between good and bad body roll? He says it seems to him to depend on if you're in the driver or passenger seat. Every car rolls more than you think when you're in the passenger seat. Every single car on the planet. Like, whoa, you're driving way too fast here. <laughs> right, you know, that right. always is the case. So the, but the thing is, it has to do with how the car resolves itself at the end of the body roll. I'll give you a great example. The ND the latest generation Miata all of them but the latest generation is kind of extreme has a lot of body roll. You put it next to the GR86 which has very little body roll and you kind of think wow this rolls quite a bit. But the Miata has a lot of body roll to give you the sensations of the car moving but it's not sloppy. Mm-hmm. It's very well set up into how it handles the weight. You get into your typical, look, it's an obvious low-hanging fruit. You get into a typical minivan, and any body roll in that feels kind of like a boat, kind of out of control. It's it's wallowy, and that's the difference. You can have body roll just fine as long as the car is taut and holds its, holds its line well. If there's secondary motions in the middle of a corner, that is all
1: bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, let's see. Jordan is giving me a water break. Todd, this is directed at you. What is the movie or a movie you wish you could have been able to work on in the last 30 years? i drink water. The problem with working on movies, honestly, is the fact that it kind of ruins them at the time.
0: Now, for Lord of the Rings, I was able to be out front of it enough that I was able to see some stuff before I had to really work on it, and that made it fun. Um, but that's that's the thing is that if you work on it, often you're kind of over it. So that is a bit of a question mark.
1: Is it along Though, the lines of when you send us uh, A-roll cuts because you've been sitting in front of the mm-hmm, monitor for too long sure. and going, Chance, Paul, mm-hmm. watch this. Am I out of my tree? Unforgiven, one of my favorite
0: Westerns ever. Yeah. That would have been awesome to be involved in. Clint Eastwood throwing down. That's a little more than 30 years ago, but but that that would have been, I, that will be my answer right there. What's the movie we
1: were just great. talking about? Uh, Ed Harris, Underwater... Uh, Oh, The
0: Abyss. The Abyss. Yeah, the James Cameron Abyss. The stuff I, you were telling me about The Abyss was... Everything about working on that was hellish. I don't want to be a part of <laughs> okay. that. But It sounded amazing. Morgan though. Freeman, watch the behind the scenes on The Abyss. Side note, if you've never seen it, it's unbelievable the stuff they did. But Morgan Freeman and Clint Eastwood at the top of their game making Unforgiven.
1: Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I Gene Hackman's
0: that. the villain. Come on. That's my answer. It's <laughs> Unforgiven.
1: Let's see. I've got another design question from Johnny Burroughs. What would I consider the drivers of corporate design language or like corporate grills didn't really exist 30 years ago? Certainly proportion. It's always proportion. You look at body side to window height. You look at proportion length of cars, cars just fit in a certain kind of demographic, you know, BMWs from 30 years ago, they're quite boxy and square. Volvos, you knew what a Volvo looks like. That's how, again, back to manufacturing, that's how car companies differentiated themselves. But simple clean manufacturing that's just dictated by how much money the company has to invest in tooling but you're right it's always been about the headlights and the surrounds of headlights it's always the secondary characters because Mm. many cars just use the same sealed beam halogen you've got the seven inch or eight inch rounds or the you know the rectangular lights but it's that surround that they have it with and the grills and then of course the proportion so It was the stuff that didn't quite cost as much to do, whereas now body side stampings, all of that stuff is baked into the cost of the car. And designers have pushed on that, which I'm thrilled to see. Over the years, designers have pushed on, let's invest in more. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that's going to take another step to tool that body side. Yes, that's more expensive. That's more of an investment. What battle can we win with marketing and the product (laughs) planners? But then look at the distinctive design. And if it's justified in sales, that gives the designers the next car they do. More clout to say, okay, look what we did on this last design mm. and it sold 400,000 units. But the marketing department just wants it to go faster,
0: zero to 60 than last time. That's really their number one thing. They For do. all the electric cars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Long Block is saying he wants to go to his first track day. He has an NC1, so an early Miata third gen looking for either a later Miata third gen or a GR86 as a replacement. I'm guessing you're going to buy one of those two as your track car. That's kind of what I'm reading in here. Which do we suggest is better for first track day? I'm going to say the GR86 mainly because it's going to feel more powerful than the NC and also because it's a new life experience. Mm -hmm. If you have a third gen Miata, I don't want you to get another third gen Miata for track day. Get in a GR86 to have a new experience. Yeah, I like that. And I also think that out of the box, just completely stock, the GR86 is a bit sharper than the Miata is out of the box. Now, the Miata can be turned into a weapon, no question. But I think out of the box, it is a sharper car.
1: Chris Wesson asked me about the Volkswagen ad running on the Boston area radio that touts the joyful (laughs) Taos. Right. Are we braced for rant? Because I feel one coming. What would the Taos need to do in order to be described by literally anyone as joyful besides sink them all? By the way, Rich came up with an even better uh, hashtag. Burning down the Taos? Yes. uh, Very good. Yes. That was fantastic. But yes, drown them, burn them. I don't care. But I've been actually confused by a lot of mixed messaging from the CEO (laughs) of Volkswagen. Sorry. I'm just bracing for it. I'm about to strap myself in. Yeah. The mixed messaging is this I just read a headline saying that the CEO Herbert said maybe it's you know electric cars are too soon and they're you know not quite being adopted by everybody yet so th- that's a little bit too soon here they are fully all in that's all we think about Volkswagen now is forget about all the fun stuff or just trying to finish off the manufacturing and You know, amortize our tooling because this is how many years we projected to make that car. We're just trying to wait till the end, till it's done, kick it out of the way and on to electrification. Fine. If that's your business plan, stick to it. But don't put a a contrary headline or some sort of contrary statement out there because now I'm confused. I can certainly see it with the ID buzz. (laughs) I think that's excellent. It sticks to that bus kind of flat floor, plenty of space, compact proportions. Yes, all day long, but we still like Volkswagen fun cars to drive. Where are those? Where's the, hey, we're still thinking about you enthusiasts in addition to all the Taos that are out there. So to make the Taos joyful, (laughs) I'm I'm not sure because I didn't find the build quality to be where I would expect Volkswagen is. Mm, mm. And that's because Volkswagen fusses over the tiniest radiuses Mm. more. So they go so much further in their engineering and design than almost every car company. I mean, it is, it is hard to work for Volkswagen. You are under the gun there. There's a lot of high standards and in many of their products that's reflected. But when I first slammed the door in the Taos and I started driving, I thought this doesn't feel like up to their standards. It feels like marketing is Mm. desperately trying Mm. to take over to convince all of us that the Taos is indeed a good car. And then I was justified. That was proven. They had a huge recall on the Taos. Mm. And you can't find the intuitive button and it's changed from the Tiguan to the Taos. The controls are not in the same place. How long do you guys have tonight? It's going to be a while.
0: Yeah. Uh, Please, move on. Matthew is asking me another movie question. Thank you. Favorite driving sequence in a movie? I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to stand on it. He says it doesn't have to be a chase scene. His is uh, opening sequence through the Big Sur and Play Misty for me, which is also good. There's some other just nice scenery ones. But I will tell you my favorite car sequence ever because I think it so encapsulates why cars are wonderful to drive. And it is in the first Pixar Cars movie of all places. My favorite one is out of an animated film it's when lightning McQueen who's only ever raced winds up doing the back roads of what's kind of like monument Valley. Okay. He does the back. Roads. Is this the first cars? Yes. Yeah, with yeah. The girl in the movie. Yeah. Sally takes him on a drive and, and the whole point of the drive is not to race. And she makes a point. She's just like, we're just going to drive and they go through the pines and they see great stuff. And there's, there's actual like thoughtful camera moves. There's, there's a section where the, the, cameras tracking through I mean it's all made up tracking through digital trees to come across the road right as they're passing it's really well shot it's well orchestrated there's scenery it it encapsulates in like 90 seconds why driving a great car on a great road is wonderful in a way that I've never seen any other movie do I'm going to stay on that there was a question back here from Mandy, who works with us, who is the reason we have cool shirts on BlipShift yeah, and many, many Thank other things. Mandy. Mandy, so yes. Also, if you haven't met her yet, Mandy sets up all of our amazing meetups, including the Philly one, so we always give her many thanks. She's saying, I wish there was some way... <clears throat> she's not being subtle. She wishes there was some way that we enthusiasts that follow the show could gather outside of a live podcast like this, and it is our Discord, which you get on by being a patron, and there are yes. many of you that are patrons that are on Discord, and there is there's a whole infrastructure and life and world that goes on that you and I don't even talk about. We jump on and go, i got a lot of reading to do because everybody's having these great conversations. Meetups in local areas have happened because of Discord. Four or five people will get together and they'll just meet up in their local area and find great roads. I love that so much. It's possible on our Discord and that's connected to our Patreon and I know Mandy wants me to say that. So there you go, Mandy, but
1: thank you for all you do. (laughs) There is a question about a car we'd like to go EV. I'm I'm scrolling around trying to find it. Uh, What car that we would love if it were an EV? Mm, mm. Uh, I'm getting that wrong. Let's see. I, I, I mean, I'm thinking Miata initially because of where Mazda has placed the Miata and how long running it is. And if they turn that into an electric vehicle and they do it right and it still retains Miata characteristics, that is a throwdown for every other manufacturer who wants to do a fun car in the future. That's that will Help it remain the mm-hmm. benchmark. Whether they can do this is a question. I, I don't know. I hope they can. I hope they're working on it behind the scenes or something small-ish it's to be, be able to take that, at least, that platform. Yeah. Uh,
0: somebody is asking, oh, Todd is asking, what's more fun? This is interesting. The Spec Racer Fords we drove in our three-day race school or the Formula cars we just drove with Griot's Garage? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. there's two parts of this, Todd, and that is keep in mind that the Formula cars we just drove stepped up. We started with a Formula Ford. that's kind of the equivalent to the Spec Racer Ford, and then we went up. Right. So I can't compare the Spec Racer Fords to the higher grades because that's just blowing them out. But as far as the Spec Racer Ford and the uh, the Formula Ford, I preferred the Spec Racer for no other reason than the violence of the exposure in the in the Formula Ford. The Formula Ford is so old school that literally the car stops at my elbows, and the whole upper half of me is out in the wind. Yeah. And on the end yeah. of the front straight, when you're doing over 100 miles an hour, it's just you. It's it's just it's just me going a hundred miles yes. an hour, feeling like I'm, I'm like the front of a semi, uh-huh. and your helmet does that thing that it does on a motorcycle, where it's almost getting pulled off because you dared to turn your head a micron. You know, I mean, it <laughs> right. was just the, I, I did I, that
1: F two car, and a, the wind is coming straight at your helmet. Don't do that. And because of the shape, the yes, egg shape you're of okay. it. If If you turn, turn don't do your that just a little bit, just suck your helmet. It on. was violent so in the
0: formula Ford at over a hundred miles an hour to the point that I actually went around one corner and caught a crosswind and got my head like tilted, so awesome. just the spec racer Ford uh just the the air of that, the arrow of that was
1: so much better, I would go with that. Could a car manufacturer be able to have a livery from factory as an option? Nimoto asks, if so, which manufacturer? I think that Hyundai is certainly up and coming, but as far as a livery, you have to take into consideration sales. And even though that would be pushed to the aftermarket department for a car company to invest in a livery, say taken from their race team, are they popular enough and are they winning enough to make it a popular option to to justify the sales? I'm always looking at it in terms of a, a business, but of course I want car companies just to make stuff regardless, whether it costs them money and we benefit or not. Us enthusiasts, I mean. But Hyundai would be great. But if it's something that may be pulled from Lama, but of course that's what Porsche already does. You can order the Martini Racing livery on some of their higher-end cars. But at that point, why not just have a custom livery from your favorite team, from your favorite you know, other team on your car? I, I suppose, yeah, Hyundai and Kia would, Kia would be up there. Peugeot, because they've got Lama history. Toyota, certainly. It'd be fun to pull Toyota livery onto, say, the manual Supra and really you know kind of deck that out that'd be interesting i think to happen for sure i would imagine somebody's going to do that yeah
0: yeah uh people are asking about the uh, uh some of these shirts the the fast faster and furiouser that shirt is awesome and i think we're going to try to get it back up the daily triple shirt needs to come back we we just so you guys know we have got a situation with with blipshift that we really really like where they typically will do a shirt once and it's gone and it never comes back. We try, especially the ones that you guys like, we try to cycle them back through. So we'll try to keep you informed as to which ones are live. I will admit I'm not current on what is live this second. You could certainly look it up. You can go to everydaydriver.com, go to the store tab, and you can get your way to BlipShifter that way. But um, we try to cycle all the old ones through so that you can still get things like Daily Triple and Fast and Furious and Fluent in
1: and everything else. Interesting questions. I'm looking back at our original list before people jumped over. Mm-hmm. Do we think Toyota and Subaru are becoming the next Hyundai and Kia? A question from Elliot Manning. I suppose so. I I think Toyota is doing their own thing with motorsports and for, for them to be considered the new Hyundai-Kia, they would have to push more into enthusiast offerings despite Hyundai Kia's excellence in just about everything they produce. But think about this, Hyundai and Kia do not have a bespoke sports car like a super like a GR eighty six. Even Subaru, the WRX, is still has that history. We consider it more in the kind of enthusiast car, even though there's not a, a current STI flavor of that. But I think I don't know that they can be compared to, to Hyundai and Kia. I still think their quality is just as high and, and for them to kind of push doing their own thing. I I think they're, they're well sorted, but Hyundai and Kia are, are if they had some kind of cool, fun sports car, if that were coming now that they've got the family plan, all sorted out for how many people (laughs) are in your family, you know, they've got all that sorted out sedan minivan. What do you need? We've got that. But man, can you imagine? I mean, they've teased us with a lot of concepts, but uh,
0: but nothing yet. Taylor is asking civic type I'm trying to reread this question. I get the impression Taylor you're asking civic type R as only single car or by a used 4th gen ND Miata and a daily I think it depends on how you're going to use them. If uh, the great thing about having the Miata is you get the really good rear wheel drive dynamics. If you're a guy that wants to take weekend drives for fun, if that's who you are, then having that used ND Miata, I say get one, though you could just daily that. If you fit, just daily that. Just call mm-hmm. that the car, uh, because the problem is, are you going to wind up in a daily that you really don't like, and then only drive them out on the weekends? Of course, we want you to be in a daily car that you actually love as well. So if if you are going to be a guy that's only going to commute, then Civic Type R, you are going to find the occasional fun road, then Civic Type R all the time. But if you if you uh, having rear wheel drive is key, I think to your growth as a as a driver. So I would certainly do that. There was another one that was really good a second ago. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> Ben, eight six five stage is the three hundred and seventy Z going to be a collectible in the next ten years?
1: Three seventy. The three seventy. The only
0: potential collectible ones will be the ones that have no mileage. Otherwise, no. Full stop. Because they've made them for too long. It was the fortieth and fiftieth anniversary Z car. They've made them forever. The difference between the ones when they first came out in like oh nine and now is minimal it's like small styling changes and little tiny tweaks they're essentially the same car they've made so many for so long that if you have the one that's wrapped in plastic here's here's the the play the nismo version late model nismo wrapped in plastic no miles that'll be worth something everything else is just a z car
1: yeah right mark cooper's asked if we're surprised the mazda 6 just got axed and didn't get the send-off treatment like the cx-9 if Mazda updated the technology, removed the chrome strip in the back. It would look sharp, certainly. But again, keep in mind, car companies have a predetermined shelf life for a model. When that goes, it goes, unless there's a bunch of them on a boat in the Atlantic Ocean and the boat sinks and they have to turn the production line back on. <laughs> but, Separate problem. <laughs> a there's different- still a
0: script in that, but we'll come back. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you told everybody your script on the podcast? No, I am not going idea? to. Not I, going to. No, I no, think no. it's well. You've alluded to it that, I, I, that it's there, kind of there, interesting. There is a script in that for sure, but I am not going to talk about it. Nevertheless, it's out there somewhere. Yeah, but that that came to the end of its product life cycle, and if they got out the the sales numbers out of it, what they needed and projected or close to, then it just goes. Especially now, because I think every car manufacturer is. Not just doing the next generation of vehicle, just like we've had for thirty years. You can count on the next three series, you can count on the next C class mm, mm. that will come. The next Mustang, we're already seeing renderings. The next Mustang is coming. How much more are they gonna do to it? The next nine eleven appeared and it guess what looked like a nine eleven. It's crazy how that happens, yeah. But if Mazda's doing a product line shakeup. If they're going to introduce something different that will be a different architecture, different powertrain, that they need to stop this and replace it with something to fill that sales niche, but it's totally different. They can't call it the next Mazda 6. If they're mm-hmm. doing a nomenclature name change, it can't just be that's the new Mazda 6 but it's not called the 6 it's It'll just be the
0: 60 something they're adding a zero to the yes, back of everything they're, they're doing that the new Mazda 60 they are it's like the Mazda that. 6 but not the Mazda 6 but generally yeah.
1: speaking it it really there, there's so many things that affect the product life cycle of the car we have to look at at cars as just big expensive products really for you know, kick them out the door. We want sales numbers, and but actually, they have personality. They've got character. So to us, you know, to us enthusiasts, they've you know, it's a bit different.
0: Uh, Steve is asking if we're excited about Top Gun Maverick. Yes. More than I can say. And I, ah. this is this is a movie that revealed the fact that I failed my son as a father, because I said to him, "We need to see it in IMAX," and he said, "What's IMAX?" And I went, "How are, how?" What? Well, it wasn't how just you as a father. It was you, you, you as a filmmaker. Yes. I was like, how do you not know what IMAX is? <laughs> We're going to have to go twice in IMAX just to be like, see, now, see, IMAX is now a thing. Uh huh.
1: Dak101 asks about the right quick jack for the Cayman. Dak, it's the one I've got. It's the one that has the 5,000 pound capacity. Perfectly fine. It's excellent. Make sure you buy the rubber blocks just in case there's some clearance issues to get it up off the surface of the jack. Then you're good. It's excellent. Uh, Skyler's asking a
0: track daily crush that I am stumped by the forties, fifties edition. Oh yeah. Here the we 1959 go. 1959 Cadillac series 62 convertible. The Tucker, the three light Ooh. Tucker. Remember that that actually had a light that looked in the yeah. corners. Remember that? And the first year Corvette. Easy. Easy. Oh, you got it? Easy. Because the, I will say the problem with the first-year Corvette is that it had no seat belts and that was one of the more terrifying drives I've done in my life, because it was all me up here, like the Formula
1: Ford with no seatbelts. Yeah, seat belts. and the steering wheel's just right in your lap. Yes,
0: there was nowhere. There was no tracking that car, so
1: that's problematic. What What's your answer? I'm going to daily the Cadillac Series 62. I mean, come on. 59 yeah, Cadillac, yeah. that was the height You're of just, the tail fin era. That's your arm over the back of the seat. Yes. It's this kind of driving, Low, right? slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to track the Tucker okay. because of the headlights. <laughs> You're gonna night. You're gonna twenty four hour Lama track this. The yes, <laughs> and, and because it, it was such corners. a different car, it was a yes. different layout. It, mm-hmm. it looked interesting. It it was so far ahead of its time. I mean, it wasn't that far? But just the features that that car introduced, I would track that because the problems that the that GM had with the very first year Corvette were not confi- confidence-inspiring. So not I would just let best. that go.
0: Yeah, I can see that. They got better after that. It was a huge design success. We talk about it in American Original Design. A huge design was, success for sure. But then they were trying to chase the little convertibles out of the, out of Europe, and they weren't there yet. Well, but they yes. got better and better over time. It yeah. was production processes. Yeah, it yeah. was
1: introducing new resin into something. They're, they're used to sheet metal. They're used to stamping yards of sheet metal. They can do that. We got this. <laughs> But doing resin and you know new techniques and molding, I, I would let that go.
0: Personally. Uh Ben is also asking when the next road trip piece is going to be on YouTube. Let us get through it first. Let let's do that. Let let's have a successful trip to Philly in those cars. <laughs> no it's kidding. it's actually supposed to be like four to six weeks after we get done, but let's get through it for honestly, my brain right now is on road trip, then it's on post, but it is coming very quick.
1: Let's see the most beautiful generation of these three popular cars from ninety-four J. Rose. Porsche 911, Corvette and Mustang. The beautiful most beautiful generation of all of these cars. Most beautiful is the second generation Corvette. I think that is I'll so go with you there. stunning. Yeah,
0: that that's aged incredibly. Starting in well.
1: 63 all the way to 67. Yeah, 63 to 67, Yeah, right? that's I believe that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was
0: spectacular. That, you know what you win on that for sure. The 911 is kind of in the same generation the whole time. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Almost, but as far as iconic design iconic 911 i'll go with the 3.2 carrera the you know late 80s late 80s yeah i that
0: think is that's just, up there
1: you see that and you just know 911 i especially if you do Whatever the whale tail i think
0: that is definitive 911 styling for sure yeah. the mustang is like is the early it's like it's the, the early. it's like the 67 era mustang 67 68 the proportions
1: changed a touch for 67 i, yeah. I believe I, and that
0: was chance is not here and boy could he tell us yeah he could ty is probably also listening because we drove his those two guys mustang right a while it's, back it's the team. early it's, generation it, but it's that it's not when it first came out it's like a couple of years later when they get yeah, into it wasn't like the 64, late 64 it was that's
1: really really 66, good 66 yeah. 67 somewhere in there yeah
0: great C C. Mazone is saying, what's the format of the meetup? Is it mingling or is there more of a formal question answer thing going on? (laughs) It is. Have you seen how formal we are? This is how formal we are all (laughs) the time. This is as formal as we get. We actually put out swag. That's how formal we get on this. No, generally, it depends on the style of meetup. Generally, what it is, is it's a dinner somewhere and we all get together and we talk cars. And there's no format. Just sit down, have some food, talk to the person next to you. We want to talk to everybody that's there. It's very informal. Now, sometimes, if you go on our pilgrimage trip to, uh, to Germany and, and uh, Belgium. That obviously has a lot of driving. If you come to our pilgrimage trip here in Utah that we're going to do for the second year and it's so much fun. That's two to three days worth of driving on Epic Road. So that means you have driving sections where you're with whoever you brought or you're swapping cars or whatever and then you have meals along the way. But all those meals are informal. There's nothing to do but just enjoy.
1: Yeah, agreed. Alex Smith asking for a summer tire recommendations. Michelin's not allowed. Hmm. We've always liked Kumos. Kumos are great. We've liked some Bridgestones. Mm-hmm. We've tried some Continentals. I had Yokohamas years ago, and I liked them. They just got eaten up really quickly. That might have been because of the driving I was doing.
0: Well, I had 200 Treadwear Yokohama 052s on my Lotus, That's and they right. were
1: spectacular bubblegum. Oh, your car is But really then they were light. gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, those were really good. But uh, yeah, so you, first you get, you've got to figure out what kind of driving are you going to be doing? Yep, yep. That will dictate whether you go full ultra high performance or you're backed off a notch, and that can save you some money as well.
0: Uh, we're going to have to close this down fairly soon, but we wanted to go a little bit extra because, we, of course, we got started late. Thank you guys for jumping over to the second feed. So, a little a few little reminders. Oh, here's a new thing. I didn't. We haven't talked about this before. We have talked about it right now. The thing we're adding this week. Oh, the thing we're adding this week. Starting. This is podcast seven hundred. Thank you for the reminder. And we are starting something that, I honestly, I don't have your name in front of me, and I'm sorry, but one of you had this idea, and you mentioned it, and others piled on, and we are now going to do it.
1: We've seen enough evidence. We have
0: a podcast that drops on Tuesday, okay? Now on Wednesdays, we're going to have another podcast drop that will be an audio-only feed of something off our test drive channel, which obviously has kind of a a test drive, pardon me, podcast kind of style to it anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you are Mm -hmm. a person who only consumes this show as a podcast, you will be able to hear the audio of a back test drive on Wednesdays, and then we'll continue to have... YouTube drops on Thursdays and another podcast on Fridays. And when we're doing TV, we then have a TV show on Saturdays. So there's a lot. But the point is we're Amazing. adding yeah. something on Wednesday that will, will come to your podcast feed. If you've already seen the test drives, you want to listen to it, I get it. But if your person only consumes that way, you'll now have an audio-only feed of old test drives. That's starting this week. We, started to do it, we decided to do it right after the 700. And uh, we're going to do that going forward. We've got a lot of back catalog we can get through. So plan on those for Wednesdays, assuming we don't forget because that's an ad.
1: Dak 101, thank you for the confirmation. We've seen a lot of that from people who have a YouTube video just playing on their phone while mm-hmm. they're driving. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're not watching it. Let's hope they're not.
0: Please don't. But Please that don't has been that. confirmation
1: mm-hmm. for us. They're treating it like a podcast. So it's yeah. easy to strip the audio out and just post it as an audio only format. Just post the audio only. And uh, we'll have those as a 15, 20 minute special episode. You can just listen to our our uh, our banter on that. But since we're in car recording that, mm-hmm. it's like. We're in the car sitting with, there with you, you. as yeah, you're driving. Sure. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. So we're, we're excited to, to introduce those. Any uh, thoughts on what car we could start with? We have such a backlog at this point. I've, I've thought of the Civic Si right now. I've thought of starting there, but we could start really anywhere.
0: I think we could do the, the Genesis GV70. We've been talking about it a lot lately. That's true. And That's a that good idea. just came out, so yeah, I think I like that would probably be a good one. But we will have many, many of them. If you have a request for a car and we've done it, we can certainly work that into the rotation for Wednesdays. So that is coming. Again, we have a new TV season starting the first Saturday of July. That will be on the Motor Trend cable channel, following shortly thereafter to Amazon Prime and Vimeo. And then it will come to YouTube metered out this coming Thursday is something from last season, season 10. That is the Honda Civic uh, SI, the latest gen of that, the the 11th gen, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and the 8th gen of the GTI. Those put together on an amazing road in Southern California. That's a really cool piece from season 10, and shortly after that is one of our favorite episodes ever coming. But coming this week is uh, Civic versus uh, GTI. That's this week, so expect that on the main channel. We are cranking out test drives. Generally, test drives are every single Thursday, but right now we're doing every other Thursday because we're trying to... To finish season 11 before I fall over in front of the edit machine. We're all working very hard chances with us too. And Paul is, it's, it's all hands on deck. So that's really
1: awesome. Guys. Thank you for watching and joining us. We still can't believe it's 700 really cool. is upon us. If you're just yeah. listening only we, if you can sometime jump on the live stream, we love, uh, we love it when we've got the live questions. Yeah, and great. if we didn't get to your question, please, when we post up on Mondays and Thursdays for questions, please resubmit. We love, you know, having the interaction and it's just, it's amazing. I can't believe we've been doing it for this long. We have a, it doesn't seem like it. We
0: have a cool video coming up for our 15th anniversary
1: of first posting content. So that
0: will be coming up in the middle of July because July of this year, middle of July of this year is the 15 year anniversary of our first video. I looked quite younger and I had lots more hair. So that's going to be super you had fun. had some long hair. I had some long yeah. hair. There, there there's there's I had hair. plenty of questionable decisions that have happened in life, and that's one of them. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here we go. Thank you guys so much for listening and for commenting and being with us and helping us when we jumped to the new feed. And uh, good night, everybody. Thanks a lot.
1: We're always looking forward to next time. Yeah, Cheers, everyone.